You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. We're going to start a brand new sermon series today in the next couple of weeks called Choices. And we're all faced with choices. Uh, choices like, what am I going to eat for lunch today, right? Or what television show am I going to watch, you know? Now, here's, here's a very, very uh, pertinent choice that I have to make today. Maybe you guys can help me. People keep telling me that today is National Ice Cream, Sun, uh, ice cream Day, right? So I need to make a choice. Should it be cookies and cream or 1905 vanilla, huh? And th- those are difficult. Anybody agree with me? Difficult choices, huh? Okay. Well, I may as well take advantage of National Ice Cream Day. Uh, that's what people tell me, and people know I have a sweet tooth, so um, yeah. But then there are more, more uh, challenging questions and choices, choices we must make, like uh, what kind of car do I buy? What college do I attend? Uh, who should I marry? Big choice, right? Um, what house do I buy? Or, you know, we all make choices, and Everyday choices are important. When we, get our, when we get our paycheck, we make a choice. Do I give to God? Is God at the top of my part? That's a choice you make and I make whether God is first or not. Or maybe we choose which friends to hang around with. That's a, that's an, a, very, that's a very important choice that we make. Who do we hang out with? Well, today we read in 1 Kings 18... About, uh, about Elijah, a man of God. And I'm going to read to you uh, the portion of the story. It's found in verse 21, the core of what we're going to talk about today, because Elijah challenges the people, you've got to make a choice. No more riding the fence. Does anybody know what riding the fence or sitting on the fence is all about? There's a lot of people who are on the fence. And Elijah says, come on, get off the fence. Get off the fence. Let me tell you what verse 21 says. It says, Elijah challenge the people, how long will you sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. Hmm. They didn't respond. And I'm thinking, why didn't they not respond? But I like this question right here. (laughs) How long are you going to stay? Are you going to sit on the fence? Another version of the Bible says, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Today we're going to talk about this. We're going to look at Elijah's story, and we're going to see how it compares to your story and mine. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to be even right here in your presence. We thank you that you are right here. Lord, we lift up um, Steve Garcia and his family for the passing away of of Irma. Lord, we just pray that you would embrace his family in uh, their time of need. We thank you that you're always with us in the good and the bad and the ups and the downs. Lord, as we get into the teaching of your word, we pray that indeed your word would come alive to us, that everything that we would say and do would bring glory to you, challenge us in new ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I heard the story about a, a boy and his dad were talking, and the boy asked his dad a little question. He says, Dad, can you give me the answer to this question? There are three frogs that are on a lily pad, and one of the frogs decides to jump. So how many frogs are left? 
Dad says, well, two are left. No, 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 Dad. Let me tell you, there's three frogs on a lily pad, and one decides to jump. How many frogs are left? And Dad says, again, if my math is correct, two are left. And nope, 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 nope. Little boy says, no, Dad. The frog just decided to jump, but he didn't really jump, okay? How many times do we think about doing something, but we don't do it, right? And so the little boy had a little, uh, man, that was a, a tough little riddle there. Every day we make decisions, you know. Um, some, of you, uh, some of you know that uh, my son Matt proposed to Jessica, so we had some uh, about a week and a half ago. So we had a little celebration, and we had leftover cookies right then our kitchen counter for a few days. And I had a choice to make every time I walked by that counter. I had a choice to make. Would I grab one? I'll just say some days I made the right choice, and other days I needed prayer, okay, and to run an extra mile, okay. But uh, those are some choices that we make uh, every day, and uh, I'm reminded of a guy who was uh, uh, giving his buddy some advice about, about his buddy's relationship with his girlfriend, and he says, hey, guy, I got to tell you something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it on the line. You've got to make a decision. You've got to choose what you're going to do with this relationship. Are you going to take this relationship to another level? But I know you my, you're my friend. You're my buddy. I'm going to lay it on the line. You're a very indecisive guy. Am I right? Aren't you indecisive? His buddy says, indecisive? Yeah. Well, no, I don't think so. Well, maybe so. I don't know. That was his response. We read in 1 Kings chapter 18 a challenge that was laid to the people by the man of God. His name is Elijah, is the man of God. And we see, let me just give you a quick background, that there was a drought in the land. And because of the drought, God told Elijah to do something, go and meet with the king. The king is Ahab. And uh, God says, you know what? I want you to speak into them so that, and say that rain is coming. But I'm going to do it in a very unique way. Okay, so uh, Elijah did that. Let's pick up in verse 16. Once again, we're in 1 Kings 18. And it says this, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said, is that you, troubler of Israel? So once again, we've got an evil king who's kind of like battling with the man of God, Elijah. Is that you, Elijah, you troubler of Israel? Are you the one who's a troublemaker? And then Elijah says, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you... And your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now remember the Jezebel, Ahab, evil people, especially Jezebel. Anybody who eats at Jezebel's table, evil people, okay? They are idol worshipers. And so, um, and so Elijah says, okay, you're saying that I'm a troublemaker. Uh, let's have a showdown. Your God against my God. Okay? Now, Elijah's by himself. And he says, you call 450 prophets of Baal, false God, 400 prophets of Asherah, the female false God. Okay, you can bring 850 prophets and I'll take them on. Now, I don't know about you, but 850 to 1, those don't sound like very good odds unless God is on your side. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Unless God is on your side. Elijah didn't flinch. He was ready for the challenge. 
He was indeed ready for the challenge. And he stood up strong for the cause of the Lord. Verse 20, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets of Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Once again, we read from the message version a few moments ago. And that said, how long are you going to sit on the fence? In the NIV, it says, the people said nothing. Verse 22, then Elijah said to them, am I, the, uh, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal had 450 prophets get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose for themselves and let them cut into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, what you say is good. So the showdown was on. Are you getting the picture here? Two altars. One altar, the the prophets of Baal. Now, the Bible says that Elijah invited 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, but as the story evolves, we don't see the 400 prophets of Asherah. So maybe it was just the 450 who showed up. Maybe the other 400 were scared. I don't know. But it just mentions the 450. So here they are getting one altar ready, and their altar was to Baal, the false god. Over here, Elijah's all by himself, and he puts together, he's starting to put together his altar. And the showdown is about to begin. Verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call in the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but no one, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah became to, uh, began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until blood flowed. Wow, what were they doing? They're cutting themselves. And so many times people, they have this false conception that if I cut myself and torture myself, then maybe I'll get God's attention. That's what they were trying to do. Of course, they had a false God. And even today, people do that. Sometimes some people will travel on their knees for miles just to, and even if their knees get bloody because they want God's attention. My friend, you don't need to do that to get God's attention because it's not about sacrifice. It's about obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. When you obey God's word, you're going to get God's attention. To obey is better than sacrifice. Picking up in verse 29, midday past. And they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. We're talking about they called on their God. Their God was not responding, okay? How can an idol respond? Oh, well, they expected their idol to respond. Verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took the 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces. Let me know when you get serious with God, you need to cut the bull. Laid it on the wood. 
And he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering on the wood. Verse 34, that's what the Bible says, okay? Verse 34, do it again. And he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. The water ran down the altar and filled the trench. Verse 36, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Remember, they had already prayed for hours and hours and hours, no response from their God. So Elijah comes over here to his altar and he says this, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and I am your servant and have done all things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Oh, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. Hallelujah. Great miracle of God. Elijah didn't have to call on God for four hours. No, it's probably a 25-second prayer. And God heard his prayer and came down with fire. How many know the Lord is looking at your heart today? And if you need a miracle from God, oh, he's ready to pour down his fire from heaven. I don't know about you, but there's uh, some people in this place that are a little bit, uh, uh, can, I, can I say, stagnant in their relationship with God. And it's time to call upon God, and God will indeed answer. And we see what God has done. He did it for Elijah, and he can do it for you and I. Well, let's take a look at this story because I want you and I to learn some lessons. How can we get to the point that God answers our prayer and an, a miracle takes place? Observation number one, the people were indecisive. The people were indecisive. They were sitting on the fence. I mentioned that a while ago. Elijah says, hey, guys, how long will you waver between two opinions? The message says, how long are you going to sit on the fence? You've got to get off the fence. You've got to make a decision, left or right, right or wrong, good or bad. You've got to make a decision. Your indecisiveness, point uh, letter A, is a choice. If you're taking notes in the, inside your bulletin there, your indecisiveness is a choice. In other words, if you don't make a decision, you're really, that, you're making a decision. And your decision, and we say, well, I, I can't decide. You've, you've decided. Let me give you an example. Former President Ronald Reagan, when he was a young man, uh, somebody took him to get his, his specially made shoes for him. Uh, they call them the shoe cobblers, right? And the cobbler was doing all this. And he says, okay, do you want square rounded shoes or you want a square tip or round tip? And he says, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. And he couldn't decide. He said, well, I'll tell you what, just, just come next week and pick up your shoes. And he didn't give the cobbler an answer whether he wanted square tip or round tip on his shoes. So a week later, he comes by. Ronald Reagan picks up his shoes and he opens it up. And guess what he finds? The left shoe has square tip. The right shoe had a round tip. That's what happens when you are indecisive, right? He learned his lesson. Got to be decisive. Got to be decisive, right? Uh, and so many of us fall into the trap. I, uh, I love, okay, I love, we love babysitting. And a couple of weeks ago, Cole and Riley were at our, my, Cole is my uh, three-year-old grandson. We sat on the couch and pulled up Netflix and, and there's a whole bunch of kids' movies. And I said, okay, uh, I'm sure he's going to like one of them. We went through like 20 of them. 
You want this one? No. This one? No. This one? No. This one? No. No. We went through all of them. I said, Cole, you got to decide. Okay, we'll go through it again. We went through the whole, the whole series. Okay, second time. This one? No. 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 Cole. So guess what? I made the decision for him. It was ESPN. That's what we ended up watching. Okay. I mean, he, he, indecisiveness will get you nowhere. Okay. That's just what happened. Now, probably, probably, uh, well, let, let me go to this next point. Bad things happen when you sit on the fence. If you sit on the fence, bad things happen. Probably the most known fence rider, his name is Humpty Dumpty. Anybody heard of them? Okay. All right. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty, what? Had a great fall. What happens when you sit on the fence? When you, you're going to fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Okay. Some of you know the nursery rhymes better than scripture, but that's another point, okay? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that, huh? <laughs> um, uh, and I thought about that. All the king's horses? How are the king's horses going to put somebody back together again? Okay, I'm, I'm Mr. Logical here, okay? And so anyway, I, I ran across a, the Christian response to Humpty Dumpty, and if God were to step in, it would go something like this. The real king, who do you know who the real king is, came to his aid, brought reconciliation, not a band-aid. He healed Humpty's heart after his fall. Then he gave to Humpty a brand new call. Jesus brought new birth and a new creation, made Humpty whole and brought jubilation. Ambassador of Christ is his new name. Healing the broken is now his game. If you find yourself broken at the foot of a wall, to the king of kings, you should give a call. Just like Humpty Dumpty of old, Christ will come and make you whole. Right? That's the new, the new version, okay? <laughs> but once again, my point is this. If you're going to ride the wall, if you're going to ride the fence, if you're going to sit on the fence, you're going to fall. You're going to fall, and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly, all right? All through Scripture, we read time and time again where God says to his prophets and to his people, You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a choice, good or bad, right or wrong, serve God or not. We find in Exodus 32, 26, Moses, it says, he stood at the entrance of the camp and he said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. Then we read Joshua 24, 15. Joshua says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, you've got to make a choice. Don't choose the world. Choose the Lord. Matthew 6, 24 says this, no one can serve two masters. Jesus said, either you will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. A lot of people serve, a lot of people, their God is money. But here's another one. Revelation 3 gives us the message to the church of Laodicea as he does to you and I today. And he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, somebody say lukewarm, uh, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. A lot of times we, I mean, that, that's not a pretty sight there, but God is saying, got to make a choice. 
cannot ride the fence, cannot be on the fence. And, and here's another thing. Sometimes people have this mentality, okay, Jesus is my Lord. He's making all the decisions in my life. But is he really making the decisions in your life? I want you to watch this video clip. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know, and I'm always making decisions, but you make the perfect decisions, so you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. <laughs> Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. <laughs> oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight, but I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to oh. go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, there's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So, let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh. I, well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I, isn't working, Kat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. Indecisiveness is a choice. Don't go down that road. Observation number two from our story is this. Elijah made a series of choices to set the stage for a miracle. Let me give you a life lesson. Godly people are godly people because they've made thousands of right choices. Now, praise God for the best choice you and I could ever make, and that is to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. How many of you have made that choice? Amen? Great choice. Now, how many know the choices don't end there? Every day we've got to make the right choices. We've got to choose between sin or not sin, good or bad, right or wrong, those choices take place every day of our lives. And once again, godly people are godly people because they've made thousands of right choices. So what I'm saying is if you've made the right choice to receive Jesus Christ, praise God. Now let's continue to make the right choices every day of your life. As we look at the story in 1 Kings 18, we see that Elijah made a series of right choices to get him to the point that where he needed to be. Uh, I got, you know, I, another, I apologize, another grandkid story, okay? <laughs> but I, I love my grandkids. But, uh, you know, this weekend uh, uh, we had LJ and Olivia, we had five grandkids all together. And, and, man, some of my two-and-a-half-year-old, he's got he's an energizer bunny. I mean, he runs all over the house, and I can't keep up with him. And, and, uh, but I remember when all of them were, were starting to walk. And when they take the first steps, they, we, yeah, yeah, we pull out the video camera. 
I don't even know, parents, you know what I'm talking about. When you take your first steps, you got to record that. We got to record, yeah, they made the first step. And what happens? They would oftentimes fall, get back up, and they would learn to walk. And then after a while, now they're running all over the place, and it's hard to stop them. Does anybody, any parent know what I'm talking about, right? Just, just bundle of energy. Well, that's kind of like our Christian life. The way you're going to do great things and run for the Lord, it begins one step at a time. One step at a time. And you take that step and say, God, I'm going to serve you. No, no longer riding the fence. I'm going to serve you. You take that step. Will you stumble once in a while? You probably will. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But you get back up. And you take another step and another step and another step. And before you know it, you're walking with God. You're running the race. But it all begins with a step. And then life happens one step at a time. Let me quickly walk through a series of steps that Elijah took to get him to the point of experiencing the power, the fire of God, and the miracle of God. Step one, choice one, is this. Elijah obeyed God. He did what God told him to do. If you go back to verses 1 and 2 of 1 Kings 18, it says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, the king, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. In other words, God had a plan to send rain in a drought-filled land. And part of that plan was God says, Okay, man of God, Elijah, I need you to do this. Step one that Elijah did, he obeyed God. He said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. Now, Ahab was an evil king. And to stand up to the evil king, it took a lot of courage. But Elijah was willing to do it because God told him to do it. My friend, obey God. That's what Elijah did. Elijah obeyed God. Step two, choice two. Elijah repaired the altar. We read that while he's getting his altar ready, as we read just a few minutes ago, it literally says Elijah repaired the altar. What was he doing? He's preparing the altar for a miracle. My friend, you and I have some repairs to do in our lives. None of us are perfect. There's some repairs you need to make. There's some repairs I need to make. Once again, it's not a matter of does my spiritual life need repairs? No, that's not the question. It's where does my spiritual life need repairs? And if you don't know the answer to that, you need to get on your knees and ask the God. Because I've, I've talked to God, and I know some things that I'm working on in my life. Elijah said, okay, I'm going to repair the altar because I'm preparing the place for God to do a miracle. You want God to do a miracle in your life, you need to repair this altar right here. Because you need your body to be a temple of God, of the Holy Spirit, so that God can do a miracle. Elijah, how did he repair? He says, okay. He built a three-foot trench around the altar. He placed the wood on the altar. He cut the bull and put it in the pieces. He laid it at the altar. He was preparing himself for a miracle. My friend, what is it that God is telling you that you need to repair in your life? Then just do it. Step three, or choice three, Elijah involved the people. There came a point that he was there and he says, okay, I, I need you guys help. I need you to bring a whole bunch of water and, and fill, drench this altar with water. Now, wait a minute. They didn't, that didn't make a lot of sense because weren't they in a drought? Water was a very valuable commodity. And yet Elijah says, okay, I need you guys to bring a whole bunch of water and pour it on the altar. Okay. But you know what? Uh, why did he do that? 
He wanted to involve the people in the miracle. He wanted them to see who his God was. It's great if God does a miracle for you, but you know what? Let's bring the others along and say, hey, hey, let's see the hand of God right here. That's what he did. He involved people. Life lesson is this. Never hesitate to involve others in your miracle. Never hesitate to involve others in your miracle. Step four, choice for Elijah prayed with confidence. Elijah prayed with confidence. We read in verse 36 of 1 Kings 18, simple prayer. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I've done all things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Simple prayer. The two focal points of this simple prayer is this. God, I am your servant. God, the glory is yours. That's what he pretty much said. I am your servant and the glory is yours. And as soon as he said that, 20 second, 25 second prayer, I don't know how long it took, shoom, the miracle came down and the fire of God came from heaven and consumed the altar. That's step five or choice five. God's power showed up. You see, when you take steps, God takes steps. Step five, choice five that Elijah made, you know what? He chose to bring in the power of God. God's power showed up. Life lesson, when you step up, God shows up. When you step up, God shows up. And God showed up in a powerful way. way. All these prophets fell dead. The man of God lived. What what happened? The people turned to God. And and I got to tell you something else. If you continue to read, the rain started to come. It was by faith, but the drought ended. All this because Elijah believed in a great God, which leads us to number three, Elijah made the choice of daring faith. Daring faith is something that we need to have because um, do you really believe in God? Are you ready to step out and do something bold for the cause of the kingdom of God? See, Elijah, when he was preparing the altar, he had a high level of faith. He had an expectation that God was going to meet him, that God was going to do a miracle. He didn't doubt God at all. Sometimes we tend to doubt God. Elijah had no doubt in God or God's power whatsoever. Some people put their faith in the wrong things. Ran across this psychic network for, or psychic friends network. Not too long ago, it, they went bankrupt, and the news report says psychic friends network filed for bankruptcy. The lawyer said they made some bad decisions based on unforeseen circumstances. I got a laugh out of that. They made some bad decisions based on unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, well, they were making their choice. They were basing their choices on the wrong thing, right? And what happened? They felt things fell apart. My friend, where? How do you make your choices? Hopefully, it's not in uh, astrology or things like that. But how do you make your choices? See, here's here's the problem with so many people. We have we have the the, the altar of God on one side. We have uh, idol worshiping and the false gods here. And sometimes we tend to put ourselves in the middle. We get a little bit of God, a little bit of the world. We get pretty good at mixing our faith with materialism. 
or faith with our horoscope. Oh, I believe in God. I'm just going to check my horoscope today. And we try to mix God with the things of this world. We try to mix God with, uh, you know, godliness and worldliness. And many times we find ourselves right smack in the middle. That's called sitting on the fence. It's called riding the fence. And how long will you waver between two opinions? How long? You know, when I, when NIV says, how long will you waver? When I think of that word waver, I think of, I, I get seasick sometimes and I go back and forth and, you know, I, I, I'm not, a, yeah, it's not good, a good sight for me when I get seasick, okay? I can't waver. I need something solid. How long will you waver between two opinions? How long are you going to ride the fence? It's time to make a decision. If God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, then worship him. I got to tell you, God is God. Has anybody experienced that God is God? Make the choice. Make the right decision and serve him wholeheartedly. And I think about Elijah. I think about, man, I want that kind of faith, that kind of daring faith. I want that kind of daring faith. How many of you can call on God and fire from heaven will come down? That's the kind of faith that, that Elijah had. How many of you have heard of Pavarotti, the, the great opera singer? He said this, when I was a boy, my father, a baker, introduced me to the wonders of song. He urged me to work very hard to develop my voice. Uh, Pola, a professional tenor in my hometown in, in Italy, took me as a pupil, and, and I enrolled at the teacher college, as a teacher's college. On graduating, I asked my father, shall I be a teacher or a singer? Shall I be a teacher or a singer? Luciano, my father, replied, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. He said, I chose one. And I studied and I put myself through the commitment and I became successful. You see, when you choose one, you make that commitment. Don't make a wishy-washy commitment to God. If, you are, if you've given your heart to the Lord, don't look back. Are you serious about your relationship with the Lord? And what choices in your life prove that you are serious with your walk with the Lord? I close with this story. There was a wise man in a village, and, uh, and everybody knew his great wisdom. Everybody knew his great wisdom, and there was a few young teenagers who said, we're going to outsmart the wise man. Okay. One of the boys came up with this idea. I'm going to catch a bird and have a bird in my hand, and I'm going to go to him, and, and I'm going to kind of keep the bird here in my hand, and I'm going to ask this wise man, Mr. Wise man, can you tell me, is this bird in my hand, is the bird alive or is the bird dead? And I'm going to outsmart him because if he says the bird is alive, I'm just going to crush the bird and open my hand and the bird will be dead to prove the wise man wrong. But if the wise man says the bird is dead, I'm going to open my hand and let him fly away. And once again, I prove the wise man wrong. So that's exactly what he did. He got a bird, had him in the bird in his hand, went up to the wise man and says, Mr. Wise Man, I know you're wise. Can you tell me, this bird I have in my hand, is it alive or is it dead? The wise man looked at the eyes of this young man and he says, is that bird alive or is it dead? It is 
as you choose. It is as you so choose. The wise man was right. My friend, you have eternity in your hands. Eternity, life, and the choice is yours. It's in your hands. Would you stand with me right now? Lord God, we, I just pray we would just, you would just fill this place with your presence. Fill this place with your presence, oh God. Oh, Lord God Almighty. Speak to us even right now about the choices we need to make in life. And the choices we need to make, Lord, to prepare us for eternity. Lord, we wanna, I want to thank you that you give us a free will. You don't force any one of us to serve you. You give us a free will. It's our choice. Today we make the right choice to serve you. I'm going to ask if you would just repeat after me as we prepare ourselves for a time of prayer. I want this to lead us into a time where we seek the Lord. Would you repeat after me? God Almighty, I boldly declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I will not give you a half-hearted commitment, but I will serve you with all that is within me. I purpose to make godly choices every day. I will obey what you tell me to do, and I will prepare myself for the miracle you are sending my way. I believe it. Amen. So be it. Now, with your head bowed and eyes closed, I ask you, have you made the best choice you could ever make, and that is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you've not made that choice, today is your day. We're not going to embarrass you. It's your opportunity, your opportunity to make a decision that will reflect eternity. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. If that's your choice, lift up your hand. We'd love to pray with you. Others of you, you know what? And thank you as I see some couple of hands here. Others of you, you know what? You've made some bad choices in life. You know what God does? He gives us his grace and he gives us a second chance, another opportunity. And today, you know what? <laughs> it's your opportunity to repair your altar, get your life together so that you can, you can be, get ready for the miracle that God has waiting for you. That's exactly what God wants to do for you. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast. Fortress Church is located in San Antonio, Texas, near Bandera and Pru Road. For more information, check us out at www.fortresschurch.org.